shows are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Welcome to the Adventures in Tech podcast. Talking the latest tips and trends in educational technology to innovate and engage your students. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Dan. Welcome to episode 44 of the Adventures in Tech podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Andrew. And I'm Dan. And we are excited you're on this venture as always. Dan, we're going to get right to it. we got another fantastic interview coming up. Any other things you want to say, Dan, put out in the world? I think we'll say that for the next episode. Love it, Dan. That's what I was thinking. We're not going to talk about Pipcorn this week, so we're on a roll. Uh, so we have Casey Bell from ShakeUpLearning.com. Uh, she is a, a blogger, an educator, a Google certified trainer, a keynote speaker, and we're going to go over her whole resume with her. But here is our interview with Casey Bell. All right. So Dan and I are very fortunate today. We will be speaking with Casey Bell. Casey Bell is a well-known blogger and educator in the field of educational technology. She's the founder of Shake Up Learning, a blog that provides resources, tips, strategies for teachers and administrators alike looking to integrate technology effectively in the classroom. Uh, Casey is also a very well sought after keynote speaker and workshop leader known for her engaging presentations and practical, actionable advice that can be used in classrooms tomorrow. She has over 15 years of experience in the field of education. Casey is a wealth of knowledge and her expertise in how technology can be used to enhance learning and improve educational outcomes. We are so very fortunate to have Casey on our show. Casey, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It is an honor to be here, an honor to hang out and chat with other ed tech lovers. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah, I'd say we're super excited to have you on. I mean, I know Andrew and myself have been following you for years. Um, and all that awesome content that you put out and share with the uh, education community. So I know we're excited and I know a lot of our listeners are excited as well because we do share a lot of your stuff with them as Absolutely. well. So thank, thank you. you. Absolutely. So Casey, tell us uh, your background as a teacher. I believe it was uh, ELA and how you became into the blogging and educator in the field of technology. Um, okay, so... Uh... Is this going to be the whole podcast, right? Just this question, right? <laughs> no. Um, so you did say I have over 15 years in education. I started teaching in 2003. So I am coming up on my 20th year. Same wow. here. Yeah. And and you know what? That that number used to scare me, but, it, you know, because it also ages you. But I'm, I'm proud <laughs> now. Like, I'm yeah. proud. I've been in the trenches. And I did begin my career as a middle school language arts teacher. And I did not do that directly out of college. I did not know my calling immediately, like many of us, you know, and, and I tried a couple of other things, but when I went into the classroom, I, I do have an English degree. I had a double major in English and sociology, thought I was going to go to law school, changed my mind about that. And mm -hmm. so there I was luckily had that English degree to get a teaching certificate, um, post back. And you know what? I was never super passionate about English. I was good at it. It came easy to me. I love to read. I love to write, um, which you now know has come in handy mm -hmm. down the road as well. But um, it was not necessarily my passion to teach English, but I love kids. And yeah. I really love teaching in general. So I began to learn about, you know, the technology side of things. And I was one of those on, the only teachers at that time who cared about using what was the computer lab down the hallway. Yep. <laughs> and I got my master's in ed tech. And then I moved into an instructional technologist position 
with um, a school district and I was like, oh, these are my people. This is it. This is where I belong. And I knew, yeah. you know, it was like, okay, this is this is what I'm supposed to be doing because I always loved technology. I grew up around technology. My family owned um, a technology business and I, you know, always had things around me to be curious about and to learn about because there's always something new to learn. So I love that. And as far as making that transition from instructional technologist, which, you know, digital learning coach, whatever you want to call it these days, the, right, the titles right. have evolved over the years. And I began talking about blogs with teachers and, oh, teachers, y'all should try blogging in the classroom and here's some great examples. And I was like, you know what? I should be an example. I should try to do this if I'm going to ask teachers to do this. And I jumped in January 2014 is when ShakeUp Learning was born, and I did not want it to be CaseyBell.com. I did not even want technology to be in the name because even though I love tech, mm -hmm. I truly believe that the focus mm -hmm. should always be about the learning. And so that that name was very purposeful, and you know everything evolved from that. I never ever thought anybody would ask me to speak somewhere, to give a keynote, to write a book. Um, to do any of those things that have come along with what started as a blog. And, um, you know, so it's been, it's been a very interesting ride, a very busy ride. And I am very, very grateful for all the people that I have, have learned from and crossed paths with and connected with, like we were just saying, you know, just being able to connect on Twitter and um, to find people uh, and to have these connections is so valuable. And I think, think that's really what it's all about like you said at the very beginning sharing is caring and mm -hmm. so you know all all of the the content that you'll find at shake up learning there is is truly you know what i believe i don't ever post anything that i think is is harmful or um not worth your time i try to keep right. it practical um i i am very much the practical girl well, thanks for sharing all that. So I, you know, I'm coming on my, I started in 2003 as well. Um, so coming on my 20th year and teaching was a second career for me as well. So yep, got some commonalities here. here. And, yeah. um, but I want to go back to, as you're talking about your discussion, you were saying, you know, it's not so much about technology. It's more about the instruction and the pedagogy. So in, in that regard and looking at things, um, how does technology play a role in the classroom and what is your philosophy on the incorporation of technology in education. Well, you know, it's funny you ask that because I have written a couple of books about that very topic. Yep, yep. Uh, and I, I termed it dynamic learning or dynamic blended learning just to help people kind of wrap their head around it. But all the things that I've learned over the years, because I have been on the tech side much longer than I was in the middle school classroom, um, bringing all of that into a framework that makes sense for teachers in a practical way was important to me. And that was, that was how that framework came to be. And even, you know, if you Google it, or if you look it up, you'll still see that really the word tech does not fall in there, that it's about how we use these things to push boundaries. Mm -hmm. And that was really big for me because I felt like even though we had technology and especially back when I wrote the first book, which came out in 2018, um, teachers had access to things, 
but they weren't really doing new things with new tools, right? They were still replacing things. They were still focused on how do I get my worksheet in Google Classroom? Mm -hmm. kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. You know, those types of things. That, that's like my arch nemesis question right there. I'm and with you. Um, it's like, well, what if you could do something better? What if you could engage them in a new way? What if these new tools offer new ways for us to engage our students? And I think that's what's important. And in, in making the shift in the way we assign things, you know, that's that's been something I've written about that we have to rethink our assignments because so many teachers come back and say, oh, you can't use Google Slides. It's too easy to cheat. And of course, now we're mm. talking about AI cheating, but yeah. I mean, like this, this was this was an, an OG question, like, oh, you can't use Google because it's too mm -hmm. easy. I'm like, Google's not the problem here. Your assignment's the problem, right? Oh, thousand That's percent. You have to rethink your. You can't keep doing the same thing you did in PowerPoint back when you had it on a thumb drive. Like, come on, y'all, we got to move forward, and and that's really, you know, just kind of in a nutshell how I. I view technology is that it is, of course, you know, as we like to say, it's a tool in our, in our um, toolbox that we can use. Um, kids pretty much demand it. And I, I think it should be um, blended as seamlessly as possible. But I, you know, I, I definitely feel like we don't need to let go of human connection, mm -hmm. of face-to-face -face interactions, of hands-on, authentic learning is I going to be more important than ever. Yeah, I definitely totally agree with that. And especially your nemesis, that whole, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's a good starting place, you know, when you work with teachers, that whole substitution, you know, moving into the digital space, but then using that digital space to get to that modification and redefinition of instruction is I think where technology is really powerful um, as we move forward. And I think, you know, thinking about that is just and made me think about, you know, going through the pandemic. I think that brought a lot of teachers up beyond that substitution mm -hmm. level. And now it's really exciting that instruction is changing at such a rapid place, especially as we were alluding to the emergence of AI and things going right. forward, that that meaningful tech integration can allow for so many fantastic opportunities for creativity and collaboration and teachers focusing on teaching process and and there so it's i think there's some exciting things coming our way yeah i i would definitely agree with what dan said there casey and two things that really resonate with me was you know the the question and i think it's an overarching question that you just said is how do we push those boundaries right mm -hmm. we're seeing these these tools evolve at a rapid pace so now not only do we have to see how we push boundaries and use these new tools in new ways to engage our students but like you said it really it comes back to we have to rethink our assignments. We got to get out of the past and start saying, how do we really prepare for the future? And in, in, in existence with that, we know Google for Education was the big thing, like you were mentioning, going from PowerPoint to, to Google. So in your experience with Google and, and education and how much they have evolved overall, how how do you you know, how do you help teachers integrate those tools in the classroom? So it's not just substituting with a worksheet. Uh, and that's. That's a oh, that's still a struggle, you know. I feel like it, even though we did bring a lot of teachers up during the pandemic, so many of them want wanted the comfort zone back, mm. and are mm. still. I, I I don't know if you're seeing that, but I I feel like there's there's almost like a resistance because they it, there's such trauma <laughs> behind yeah. everything that happened. Yeah. Um, but as as far as Google is concerned, or any other tool, you know, I 
I definitely was an early adopter and learned a lot about Google. And then it just kind of turned out to be the thing that everybody asked of me. So I spent most of my time just trying to keep up. And that, I think that's the hardest thing with technology is just trying to keep up because it's changing every single day. I mean, I'm sure, right. um, you know, you've walked into a classroom and what you planned for yesterday is now different because it they changed mm -hmm. something and it looks different mm -hmm. and having to be flexible and adapt is something that i think google tools can help prepare teachers for i i called it and and actually got a lot of flack for calling it a gateway drug so i'll call it a <laughs> gateway tool um, right. meaning like once you learn how to use this you understand um, so much about how these tools work online and those teachers who are still reluctant about embracing some of the the more web-based tools, which now, you know, there's really no choice, um, even with whatever tools you are, everything is web-based. But, you know, understanding how cloud computing works was really hard for a lot of teachers. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that everything's stored there. Oh, and, and, and just working through that. But, um, you know, I did get a lot of Google certifications and learned a lot through that process and connected with a, a lot of great people. Of course, you already mentioned Matt mm -hmm. and, and the whole um, Google Teacher podcast yeah. came mm -hmm. out of us going to uh, the Google Innovator Academy together. So um, there are definitely a lot of things. It is kind of interesting right now because I, I think they are floundering a bit. And I think um, I think Google is is struggling and I'm actually kind of pulling back and spending a little bit more time trying to catch up on some other things that I haven't had time to do because I have spent so much invested in Google. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily like some of the models that have come out with the, you know, the pay grade levels and things like that. Right. And mm -hmm. Get it at the same time. Like I, I see that happen pretty much with every free thing we, we right. love. So, right. um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been good. And I think, like I said, it, it's just kind of been the gateway to getting teachers on board to using other things too. No, that's, um, that's fantastic. And the one thing I'm thinking about, as you say, that gateway and understanding how like the Google e ecosystem works in the cloud computing, um, is allows teachers to then look at that tools in the Google workspace, like docs or slides or whatever, and be able to like really think outside the box and be like, oh, this is not a presentation tool. Slides is like, is right. as people have mentioned, is a Swiss army knife of anything at that. Yeah. I always challenge people. I'm like, you name something you want to do, and I bet you we can do it in a slide deck. Um, but that's where I like where the, the shakeup learning comes in where you, you give those insights in your blog posts about thinking outside the box with those tools. And there's so many exciting things to bring that you bring up through your blog and the podcast throughout the years. So maybe, you know, if you could share some of those exciting projects or initiatives or outside of the box thinking with the tech tools that you've come across. So, um, one, I've already mentioned, you know, working on the Google Teacher podcast um, with Matt was great. It was great for us both keeping up with things and talking about things and connecting with other teachers and then people sharing things that they learned. Um, but as far as, um, let's see, sorry, I'm going back to the question. Exciting projects or initiatives you have worked on related to educational technology. Yep. Wow. Um, so... I have been on this side of things since 2007 
And I have done everything from writing curriculum for the state of Texas, incorporating um, what they call TEKS down here, um, our standards. Um, Common Core is a bad word down here. I don't know if y'all know that, but uh, <laughs> we have our own, we have to do our own thing. Um, and you know, like I said, learning through those things, but really putting that into my own spin and in the books like blended learning with Google, which really just kind of put everything together that I've, I'd blogged about for so many years. Like you were talking about with slides. I can't tell you how many slides blog posts and podcast episodes I've done. Um, you know, I have an ebook, 30 things you didn't know you could do mm, with Google right. slides. And I know people are like, really, were you still talking about slides, but you're right. You know, there's always, something you can do i can tell you right now i have really gotten excited about canva oh yeah yeah i love it <laughs> um and i i did have scott noons on on the podcast and then we actually did a little training he was actually just training me and i recorded it um showing me some of the new things because i had been using canva for years to create my images and things for the um the website and the blog and everything but the side now where teachers and students can log in and comment and create and really tapping into those four C's, I think is incredible. Um, and I, I, it excites me and it excites me in a way that really gets us separated from paper based mindset, because even with, you know, the office suite and the G suite tools, even though we're trying to get people to think of them as different tools. They still look like pieces of paper online. Mm -hmm. They still look like a presentation online. But when we jump into Canva and we jump into tools that have more free space, that we're not just yeah. trying to replicate something that we used to print. Um, and, and we can say we're going beyond substitution because we're embedding video and we're doing other things with it. But I think it, it's still really a hard box to break. Um, mostly for teachers, the kids get it, but yeah. I think, um, I think we're really beginning to see, um, some new ideas come to fruition. Canva happens to be one I'm pretty excited about. I recently, um, released a podcast about, um, screen pal and, um, I, you know, screencasting been around forever, but it's now becoming so blended into the things that you do and being able to view it without having to open a new tab. You know, you lose 15 minutes of instructional time. Yeah. You tab. I mean, all of those little things add up to big things, in my opinion. And um, it's not just about the tools, but I have also talked a lot about over the years, choice boards. And yep. that was something that completely transformed mm -hmm. my own middle school classroom. Um, that was so eye opening to me as a teacher that I kept coming back to it. Y'all, why aren't we talking about this? And I was in, in secondary. Secondary did not adapt to choice boards very easily and they still don't. You know, I feel like choice boards was very much an elementary <laughs> idea that um, are viewed as an elementary idea by a lot of the secondary teachers. I don't know if you've seen that, but um, you know, when I would do presentations, the high school teachers were like, what? <laughs> yeah. Stations? What are you talking about? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, you can do stations in high school. You can do this. This is how you make this work, you know? And, um, but I have written a lot about choice boards and recently put together a step-by-step -step framework for teachers to start from scratch. Cause I am, I, I'm really tired of the, uh, how do I say, I call it the tiny object syndrome. When you get distracted by something cool online, a free download, I should say, mm -hmm. um, maybe it's a paid download with really cool <laughs> graphics. 
Yeah. And y'all all we, know we when know. those are purchased. We know um, where you're going. We know. Don't align with your own learning goals. Exactly. And if you do not take the time to revise something you find online to fit the needs of your class, you're you're doing them a disservice and it's really a waste of time. So um, I've done some on-air coaching about that as well. But, you know, that's that's really where I want it. You know, like, okay, we're past the, t- the time of just taking somebody's template and, and tweaking it. Like here, here's how you can do it. Here's how you can align it. Here's how you can actually grade something. Cause I feel like that it can be overwhelming. And I get that. That's why we start out with the templates and Mm -hmm. templates are great. Don't get me wrong, but we can also get overwhelmed with everything we have to do as teachers and just try to find an easy way out. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And uh, it just has me thinking of so many different things going through my mind so i'm, I'm gonna apologize but andrew knows sometimes i go off the rails a little bit but Clearly. like hearing you speak about canva reminds me of the way and andrew and i are speaking about canva now and as we're using that to work with our teachers and integrate that collaboration and creativity in the classroom um we always go in with the mindset of when we're approaching with anything we want our students and also our teachers to be creators and not consumers as much as they can and Canva has taken so many steps in that creative aspect that's just phenomenal. Like, I am such a fan of their AI that they're putting into it, especially with the text to image, because now our students are designing with images that have more relevance to them just searching something. They're able to use language and experiment with language to create an image that demonstrates an understanding. Um, I think it's really powerful. Um, so we, we're a big fan of that tool. Absolutely are. And Casey, I got to say, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't you the one that coined the phrase Swiss Army Knife, Google yeah, Slide, right? I think that's tra- your trademark. I, I, it I, is. I get credit for it. I don't I don't know <laughs> if anybody else had ever said it before, but yeah. <laughs> you know, I really think it was you. So I know you had scratched uh, upon the surface about your blog and kind of your inspiration starting it because you wanted teachers to start to to blog with their students and and so forth. Was there any other aspects of inspiration that that brought up Shake Up Learning in the blog and how it's evolved to what it is today? Um, well, there have been a lot of, I guess, iterations over the years, you know, different phases and things. When I first started blogging, I was a trainer for one of our regional service centers here in Texas, and I was spending majority of my time in mo- what we were calling mobile learning, which was essentially we got these iPads and we don't know what to do with them. That was that was it. And that was when iPads were the most difficult things in the world to manage um, from right. a tech standpoint. Yeah. And so if you and they're still there, most of the things. But if you go back to some of my very, very early posts, they were about iPad apps and things like that. So we you know, we've kind of come a long way from that. And then when I, you know, I kind of found out about this Google thing and kind of, kind of went in that direction a lot, but you'll, you'll find all kinds of things. You'll find, you know, tech tips. Like I do quick tip of the week. Um, Mm -hmm. Dan and I were just talking about the one that came out this week. (laughs) Yeah. The um, Chrome sidebar. Yeah. yeah, the Google Chrome sidebar. I no. didn't notice it. Was, I'm like, what is that? And then I caught a page on, on Google Chrome, like trying to help a new user. Like it was kind of like a main. I was like, I didn't know that. So right. um, I thought a lot of people maybe don't know that yet. But trying to um, just put those together, you know, those videos on YouTube 
are mostly two minutes and under. They're very, very short videos. Um, so I have over the last, let's see, did I start that in 20, 2021? I think at the beginning was when I started making the videos. I did the quick tip when I started the podcast, but I didn't start making the video to go with it um, until a little bit later. So now there are over a hundred um, wow. Google tips in those quick videos. And then I put those into a Google doc organized by app just so people like you can pass that on to your teachers that you work with Beautiful. and use them in training or whatever. But yeah, um, YouTube is definitely something that over the last couple of years I have, I, I have wanted to focus on, but I have made it more of a priority to get things in YouTube. Um, it is still the second largest search engine, although I have heard TikTok's going to take it over. Um, mm. if it hasn't already, although I left TikTok. So, um, I was posting these on TikTok too. That's a whole other conversation, but yeah. Um, so, you know, kind of different iterations. I am a textual and audio learner for the most part, but most people are not. Right. Most people are much more visual than they need that video. And um, over the years, you know, I've also created a lot of online courses. I had to make them all, for the most part, they've all been self-paced. So they're all videos right. and, you know, screencasts with me, you know, teaching how to do things. And I've been teaching Google certification for many, many years to help other teachers um, do and learn all the things that I learned. Cause I, you know, I just felt like that was such a powerful thing to have that confidence really that you get from learning all those skills. Um, so I, you know, there's just been so many different branches that have come out from what just started as a blog, you know, and then when Dave Burgess asked me to write a book, I'm like, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Little old me, <laughs> you heard me talk, right? Like, no, <laughs> <laughs> who you're talking to? <laughs> and, and like I said, you know, um, that English degree has come in handy. I've always been able to write um, and and put put words together. And apparently, I talk a lot, so that's <laughs> has come in handy as a podcaster. Yeah. working on um, different things like that, and. I created, um, you know, some master classes and some online workshops, like the dynamic learning workshop, yep. we're talking about dynamic learning. But then um, a couple of years ago, I also started putting my podcast into um, these online courses that can automate a cert certificate program. So um, it's part of what I call the all access pass. So they can get all the master classes, all the workshops and what, I didn't start that from the beginning, but I am, um, I've recorded 190 episodes of the podcast so far, wow. but there's wow. over a hundred of those in there. So, um, there's a lot of hours it, that teachers can get. And as you, you mentioned earlier, you know, giving credit for listening to podcasts that I think is, is huge. And that was really important to me, but I've also created resources to help other educators implement sure. that, you know, yeah. like podcast PD choice boards, um, to, you know, here's, here they are kind of categorized. Not every podcast works great. You know that right. too. Like mm -hmm. every topic that you want to listen to and talk about is not necessarily, um, the best for that, but, um, you can definitely, um, see some different iterations over the years. I, I hope that kind of answered your question. It did, it did. It did. And I'm just like, you said 190 of the shake up learning show. Mm -hmm. wow. wow yeah wow. 190 comes out next week wow that's that's Dedication. crazy <laughs> well and for a while that... i was doing google teacher yeah with that one as well 
Um, and you know, a lot of people kind of wondered why we, we sunset that and that had a, had a lot to do with my son coming into the world. So, um, once everybody kind of understood, oh yeah, you're be becoming a mama, you, you got to take something off your plate. And that was kind of yeah. how it worked out. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great though. That's great. No, that, that, that really did. It, it showed, you know, where you, it gave a starting point uh, of where you got your started with shakeup learning and dynamic learning and to where it is today. And we know it's going to continue to evolve. So thank you for that. So the one thing I'd like to switch gears and look a little bit as things are moving into the future are what are, what do you believe are the biggest challenges facing ed tech today? And how do you see some of those challenges being addressed in the future? So I know you were bringing up some of this earlier with your conversation about how Google is changing some things and changing and there's new things coming into the market that's enhancing it. But I, if you can spend a little more time talking about that, that would be appreciated. Sure. So, um, you know, I've had some interesting conversations and I, w I wish I had it in front of me, but I did a podcast episode um, talking to someone about some privacy policy stuff. And um, I don't know how involved y'all might be with some of those decisions mm -hmm. in, in COPA and SIPA and all the things. I don't think that we are paying enough attention to the access that we are giving to our children. Mm -hmm. Um, that truly concerns me. And without jumping the gun into your next question, mm -hmm. that that is the, the next biggest concern is, is right. AI. But, um, you know, and I, I am just as guilty of this, you know, especially because I'm constantly working in Google, installing an extension. Oh, yeah, you can have permission. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to read this. Right. I signed up for something new and I'm not knocking the product, but um, Giant Steps, which I'm I'm working on a we podcast just... about Pear Decks. Yeah. New, new giant steps. And I had to sign two different documents that were so long. There's no way I'm reading that. Like, right. when are we going to get to a point where we know what we're giving permission to as users, as schools, um, and as, you know, as community and parents who are concerned about what children have access to? You know, I also just saw a post yesterday, which concerned me as a teacher and a parent about um, some inappropriate content popping up on YouTube kids, porn um, being disguised as a cartoon. And, um, you know, I think that we are educating the most vulnerable of our population who are already bombarded with things. You know, I don't know what the latest statistic is, but several years ago, I heard that the average age a child first encounters porn was like three years old. Oh, oh my God. And, um, it, and it just blows my mind. Um, but watching my not even two-year-old navigate an iPad right now, how, you know, and, and I, I have, I have locked that thing down, but you know, how quickly something could, could happen and go awry and show, you know, pop up or whatever. And, um, I, I think that, um, as someone who loves technology and is an, usually an early adopter, I am taking a closer look. I am taking a step back um, to really evaluate what what's going on. But I think um, we need to demand some better communication from these companies to explain what they're really doing. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't take a, a team of lawyers to decide if you're going to click OK. 
Right. You know, um, to agree to something. And what does that mean? Because data is the world economy now. And the more data somebody owns, the more powerful they are, which is why like social media, Facebook Mm -hmm. is so powerful and Google, they know so much about us. Mm -hmm. Um, What does that mean? And what does that mean for the future? And I'll be honest, it scares the heck out of me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I know. Andrew and I, I know he might be speaking of, but we're, we are pretty knee deep in the privacy aspects here in New York. There's something called New York state ed law 2d. So any software or any company that we have our students sign into, we have to have a separate agreement um, with each company that talks about how they use student information and that they adhere to the New York state law on personal information. So we, we deal with that on a regular basis. Um, you brought up giant steps that was new to us too. And we started mm-hmm. looking at it and we, we had to go through the process of getting our ed law 2d assigned, you know, assigned by giant steps and so forth. But yeah, I think, you know, for some things where for so long, I can totally remember, I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm going to click on this extension. You want to view yep. my Google classroom, go right ahead. It doesn't bother me. Um, mm-hmm. it, it really has me thinking about, all right, what are these companies doing with the data and are we securing student information? So there's there is a a price that we are paying for um engagement there's a price mm-hmm. we're paying for convenience for sure um you know i i've i've said for years your your devices are listening right now um, sure. it's no mm-hmm. coincidence that you had that conversation with a friend in the hallway about a disney trip and suddenly you're getting disney ads that's not a coincidence and and you know that there's just there's just some things that people are, I think, just not even maybe they're concerned about it, but they're not taking action on. And I think that we need to collectively start mm. taking some action to protect. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And it's scary because we think of the society and the education world that we grew up in and how we didn't have this. And it was just it was just a different time where, you know. You, you didn't have all these concerns and it is so easy for us and teachers and even students to click the allow button. And then mm-hmm. what are you really a- allowing at that point if you don't really know? So like Dan had mentioned, we're very fortunate in, in New York that, you know, we lock everything down if they don't sign the Ed Law 2D agreement for New York State that's approved mm-hmm. by our district attorney. So we're fortunate in that regard. Now, can we control what some teachers may be doing no, but then that's on them. And that's the scary part is mm-hmm. you have to be aware. There has to be a, a level of awareness that's that's raised to know exactly what's going on. Cause you're right. Everything's listening to everywhere. It doesn't matter. You know, you see the movies, you see the stuff happening in movies and it it's just happening. And we've had conversations with uh, the guy FBI, John on a previous episode who talks about, cybersecurity and and all that. And it is scary. And, you know, it kind of leads into the next question. We were talking about AI. So, you know, when first chat GPT came out, it was, you know, we found out age 18. So we were good. But just recently, I just saw earlier this week. Now it's age 13, right? So I guess we know that it's going to be there. We know it's going to be utilized. You're not going to stop it, right? We even had that conversation, uh, you know, with Dave Burgess as well. So, how do you see the GPT technology and those language models like chat GPT impacting education now? And who knows what it's going to look like in the future? Well, I, I will start by saying when it comes to AI, ignorance is not bliss. Mm-hmm. This will come back 
to to bite all of us. Um, it really will. So I actually have a podcast episode coming out um, before this probably airs. It's it's um, episode 190 will come out on March 14th called okay. The Dangers of AI and It's Not Cheating. Like that, that was the biggest thing that everybody was talking about when mm -hmm. chat GPT came out was the cheating issue. That is not our biggest problem right. by far, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to AI. And I did a lot of research and some digging. And um, the more I learned, the more scared, honestly, I get. And um, some of the predictions, even from Elon Musk, will freak you out. Uh, seriously. Um, he was a co-founder of OpenAI, which created ChatGPT. Mm -hmm. He is now yep. creating another one. And he has even said he feels some guilt about ChatGPT and its capabilities and what it's going to do. And not only a AI, because he he's even, you know, of course, he has access to what we're not going to see for five years. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, no matter what you think about him as a man, this is a guy who is in technology. He knows technology. Yeah. And um, he has has said that, you know, AI can definitely lead to World War Three, that um, <sighs> countries will be fighting over the tech, that governments will go by gunpoint to get it from people. Um, and, uh, you know, that's that's. That's the the super high scary stuff. The more personally scary stuff are things like deep fakes. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you're familiar with a deep fake. That's been around for a while. It's one of the reasons why I do not post any pictures of my children online. Um, there are tons of people who will pretend to be you. There's probably somebody out there pretending to be me. I did find another Shake Up Learning YouTube channel that's stealing some of my stuff. Oh, so. Uh... Um, but there is technology out there now that can take this video of me, make it look like I'm talking, can take recordings of my voice, type up a script and make the whole thing look like I'm the one talking. And because they can replicate that voice, we've already had some incidences of people um, making phone calls and saying they've kidnapped your children and they have the voice in the background. It's not <laughs> them. You don't know that. You hear your child's voice, you're going to freak out. Um, and, you know, being able to um, do things like digital kidnapping and taking over people's identity has been a problem for a very long time. Think of what that's about to do. Um, we think it's cool. Yeah, we have access to this. Oh, it's going to save me so, so, so much time. If you have access to it, so do the bad guys. Yeah. So do the mm -hmm. terrorists. So do any countries that want to bring us harm. So do the people who want to manipulate elections, um, anyone who is looking to do something um, harmful. And, you know, uh, my sister just had a, uh, an incident yesterday of someone contacting her, had her phone, had her number, sent her an inappropriate picture. And I, I just said, it's amazing how much time people spend to do something crappy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and um, that that's only the tip of the iceberg. So to think that we are opening this up now to 13 year olds, like that, that really breaks my heart mm -hmm. at this point because we don't know what it's capable of. We do not know. We have already had reports of people telling us it's gone rogue. It's done certain things. It said certain things. I don't know if you saw the, um, the New York post article where the journalist um, went down a rabbit hole. And I think he technically was using Bing 
the mm-hmm. Bing version. Yep, yep, yep. And um, Sydney, who is the person, I guess, of 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 this this chat, uh, wanted out and wanted to destroy the world. And like, I mean, like, it it was it was terrible. And so, um, you know, to think that we can control these things as schools is totally ignorant. Mm -hmm. The makers control these at this point, if they can be controlled. And so one of the things that Elon Musk has said is we need regulation now. And I am not normally a person who wants lots of regulation, but this is going to need some regulation. And the people in the government have no idea. Like, you know, they're confused by privacy policies, how much, you know, how much Mm -hmm. they know about what's going on with AI. And um, honestly, you know, from that standpoint, I don't want to go there. You know, like I said, with the, the pictures, you know, the, I forgot what the name of it was, but the, the AI generated like artwork that everybody was doing, Mm -hmm. they own you. They own those pictures of you. They own your image. What are they going to do with it? Or what if it gets hacked? Um, You know, again, we're signing off and we're just like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to go try it. And we don't even think about it. And now I don't know if you've noticed the new filters, that are coming through that you can't tell it's a filter like in, in, in TikTok and Instagram and things like that, because they're using AI now to morph it to your exact face, as opposed to like when you turn to the side and you're like the eyelashes come off or something like that, it doesn't do that anymore. Um, so the authenticity that we have been craving in education, (laughs) this is not going to help. This is not going to help. This is going to increase um, I think artificial, right? Artificial everything. And our kids are bombarded um, by social media. You know, the statistics of of depression and anxiety and all of those things. We are not doing anything to help that at this point. Um, so, you know, to, to really do this, I, like most people, when it, when chat GPT first came, I'm like, okay, it's cool. Um, I want to play around with it. Yeah, I'm going to talk about it. And I kind of mentioned it in my um, things to try in 2023. And what I said was, I want you to have an awareness that this is out here and what these things can do. And that's still kind of my standpoint. Although I did another podcast about unlocking the potential because I do believe these things can be used for good and not evil. However, the more I learn about the um, the evil side, (laughs) the more I'm like, I don't know if it's worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think I think we're just blindly accepting it because the technology is so, so shiny and new and so right. exciting. And um, but what is what even does this mean for me as a blogger? Right. 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 Because yeah. it um, it will write everything. It can do everything that I do. It can write books. It can write blog posts. It can imitate me. It can imitate my voice. It can record a podcast am I going to have a job? Because I just read another article in, um, on the Hill and, um, they are predicting that AI will disseminate what they call laptop jobs, which is Mm. basically my job when you can work from home and you uh, are, you know, things like a content creator or people who are writing, doing copy editing, um, all of those types of things, that's all going to be automated. And we've said for years, if it can be automated, it's going to be. Yeah. Um, guess what jobs are left? Blue collar. Yeah. Blue collar are going nowhere. So if we are not teaching our kids how to get hands on 
if we're not encouraging them to try things like shop and, um, you know, learning how to work with um, electricity and, and doing all those things, we are missing out. Um, all, all the coders, you don't need coders anymore. See ya, right? Yeah. I mean, seriously, um, that was in the article too, that, you know, how many kids have we encouraged to go into coding? Because that's the, that's the big thing. Yeah. So unless you're a master of AI, AI is going to do it. So, right. um, yeah. So I kind of, kind of had to preach a little bit y'all, but that, <laughs> that's okay. Um, Appreciate it. And I can feel my face get, I know you probably get sick because the light is so bright and I'm so pale, but uh, I mean, like I, it just infuriates me that we are just blindly accepting this and I am not going to post 15 ways for teachers to use chat GPT now in seventh grade because 13 year olds can use it. No, no. way. Am I right. going to do that because of, of what I am afraid of? Yeah, no. It, and it, it, it really, it's a, it's a heavy concept that we need people to just everybody, not, not just school districts. Like you said, up to the highest levels of the government with regulation, they have to have an awareness and take this information and make decisions to put those proper safeguards into place for not just students. Right. You know, I mean, it really should, like we said, you know, when you hit 18, it's something different, you know, now that they've lowered it, it's kind of scary, but for everybody, you know, if, if what, and like you said, with what Elon had said, and you know, he knows because of just, he's a smart man, good, bad, and different, whatever he has seen things and he, he knows technology. Um, I would definitely take his, you know, his opinion, you know, of what he's seeing and, and saying, okay, we need to have some safeguards in place for education, for everything. And as schools start to evolve, okay, tech, 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 you know, you get back to those career and technical educational careers. Like you said, electricians, blue collar plumbers, you know, carpenters, all of the welding, those things, we really need to, you know, put an emphasis on it because, you know, as of now, I don't think an AI can do that. Right. You know, because of that, you know, the they may be able to coming, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. All right. I, I stand corrected, but in general, you know, I think that's further off. So it is, it is a powerful thing. It's a powerful tool that everybody's like, I love it. I love it. I love it. It's already behind a paywall, you know, for, for the premium version. And like you said, more and more of these companies, you see it on the social medias. They're just all coming out with all the different AIs. It's just coming and coming and coming. So, well, even some of the things that I've learned that are bad, like some of the deep fakes, which is warning you, but it was also a tutorial. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I just learned how to do it. And that means that, you know, anyone out there can can learn how to do it, that it's just um, every single day somebody else is doing something. And like you said, AI is already out there. It's been out there for years. We've been talking about it. It's been built into, you know, most of the Google apps for years. Yep. And, um, you know, if you use technology, you're using AI already. Um, you know, that's that's not going away. It's just the new level that we have hit. This is this is the story of the next twenty years at least. Mm -hmm. Is is the boom um, which has been compared to what we saw in the industrial revolution? What the changes and how fast they're going to happen with AI? Oh yeah, it's everything's happening so rapidly. I mean, you brought it up, but this morning as I was you know listening to I don't know NPR I think, and they were talking about how AI has advanced so much 
with the with the deep fakes, with the recognizing your own human voice and being able to recreate that. I was just listening to that this morning and you brought it up. I was like, oh, my goodness. Um, but, you know, I did. You know, it it is something that, you know, you did mention where you can't just put your head in the sand and and wait right. for it and say, well, it's not really going to affect me. Well, you might not think it's going to affect you. Like you mentioned, our students are living in a digital world and they're going to need to be aware of what AI is, how it works and what to be responsible. Um, and then also understanding that there there is a process to learning. So what the AI is generating um, is something that is, you know, a really advanced language model being able to put it out. But I think, you know, as educators, we can really take that time now and really teach kids the process of the skills and the outcomes um, and not just be like, I'm teaching my kids content. You know, I right. can be teaching them a process and I can teach them to be analytical and I can teach them to draw conclusions and bring in multiple perspectives. So you said like there's and coming from your background and as a blogger, for every, when you're writing for a blog post, you're writing for a book, you're writing for two you know, different things, even though they're blending. And there's a process that you go through um, where I think now teachers can really look at, am I doing the best for my students? Well, let me see how well they know the process and not the outcome. So I, I see some positivity in there um, with shaking up the learning environments and pro providing more opportunities. But yeah, the 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 future of it's going. It's I think it's just we see it happening quickly now. It's just going to be quicker and quicker and quicker. One one more thing that I heard um, specifically about schools is you know, security is obviously another huge problem we have in our schools and the new security systems, which will have facial recognition and we'll be using AI as well. And we'll be tracking, which, mm -hmm. you know, what are we weighing here? Safety um, or, or will that safety be compromised because of that too? Um, so yeah, no, um, I'm not celebrating that this is now available for 13 year olds. I, I no. think this is some, something that, um, we, we, as a, an entire society need to step back from and make sure that we are protecting our, our communities. Yeah. So I want to pivot a, a bit, you know, cause we just got deep into a conversation <laughs> that is important. No, very no, important. Is, Thank you. Very important. And, and it really, like you said, it's eye opening and, and it's, it's raising an awareness. So from that standpoint, when we get back to ed tech and, and teaching, are there any upcoming projects or initiatives that, you know, Casey, you're excited about with, you know, or what could we expect from shake up learning, you know, in the near future? Like what, what, what is in your, you know, in your toolbox, let's say, you know, that, that you're excited that's coming out? Well, uh, if, if you had asked me that a couple of years ago, I probably would have had a huge list, but <laughs> I am a mom with a toddler and <laughs> my, my, my wants and what I can actually accomplish look very different now. Sure. But, um, I have, I am also doing some writing that I can't talk about just yet, Fair but point. Um, I do, I do hope to have some other announcements in the future, but I, I definitely have a heart to help teachers in, in this, this moment, because I, I don't feel like we're seeing any progress. Sure. I don't know if that, if you're mm -hmm. still facing that, but the, the shortage um, and what that is doing to our students is, is so detrimental um, that, 
you know, they're not, they're not getting the, the loving and, and quality teachers that they need. I don't want those teachers to leave. Um, but we, we have to, we have to innovate the system that is so broken. Yeah. No, thank you. Well, we look forward to when you can share those announcements with, with the writings and whatever you got coming up, I'm sure everybody will be very intrigued by it. So, uh, something to look forward to. It's definitely exciting. Final thoughts on on Casey. We've had, taken up a lot of her time today. <laughs> no, and I really appreciate you taking the time and then being so open and and really getting deep on the conversation. I think that's valuable for all of us to listen to. Um, and also, thank you for um, and I'm sure now working to create that space that work that is focused on teachers themselves um, as individuals, as people, as things. So um, I know that you shared where, where you created your Instagram, but um, there's so much out there. There's so much that, you know, that you provide for, for all the community out there of educators. So where can listeners um, find you online? Where can they go to learn more about you? Get a copy of your books, contact you, um, and just get part of your community that you create. Sure. So most everything can be found at shakeuplearning.com. That's where you'll find the blog. You'll find links to the courses and books. You can also go to shakeuplearningbooks.com. But the books are all on Amazon um, and Barnes and Noble and pretty much all the major places if you're looking for those. The podcast is called The Shake Up Learning Show, and you can find that pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. And um, I am finding that it's, it's an interesting dichotomy. You may notice that the people that just want to listen and the people yeah. that want to read mm-hmm. and the ones that want to do both. Um, so you've got all those options. You can also go to courses.shakeuplearning.com to see all the online courses and some of the podcast PD that I mentioned earlier. And I'm pretty much Shake Up Learning across social media. You'll still find my account on TikTok. Like I said, mm-hmm. I'm not creating any more content. I, I, I don't want to invest in it and then have it taken away. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind point. Of, I'm, and, and their privacy policy is insane. So um, if you don't know that one. Fair point. Well, Casey, thank you so much for sharing all of uh, all that information with our listeners and, and spending time with Dan and myself today. Uh, we truly appreciate your time. We know how valuable it is as a new mom with, <laughs> with a two year old running around and, and everything. So we thank you so much, uh, you know, for, for both of us. No, thank you so much, and, and thank you for letting me share. Well, Dan, that was a, a deep conversation. It definitely was. Uh, as we've been going forward with a lot of our interviews, we've definitely been able to take in a lot of different perspectives on AI, on education, on everything. So I think it's really good that we get as many voices into the conversation as possible because, you know, as we go through, the more that we hear, the better we can be uh, making informed decisions that will definitely impact uh, the best interest of our students. Right. We appreciate the perspective that that Casey was able to provide on the podcast, uh, you know, with her thoughts on on AI and everything. And she got a little emotional at at one point, you know, uh, talking about it. We were able to actually video with Casey. So, you know, it's something very dear to her heart Mm -hmm. with, with things that are going on in the educational world. Uh, you know, she's based out of Texas, so it's it's different than where we are in the Northeast, and we appreciate everything and the insight that she was able uh, to provide with her opinions. And, you know, I'm looking at the release of this podcast. You should definitely get on um, Casey's blog, um, Shake Up Learning. She definitely follows up a lot with her conversation, talking about uh, the various uh, 
you know, pitfalls and dangers of AI, and uh, it's definitely good to take another look through. Absolutely. Everybody has their own uh, opinion and is generating their own thoughts on that. So once again, we thank you for all your support. Listen on all those platforms, leaving us those reviews. Be sure to hit up the sticker request. You have questions, comments, suggestions. Please reach out. Tech card, work smart, live, and adventure. Find Andrew on all socials at A Nicola Tech and Dan at WCSD Tech DR. 